Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us here. I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, before we get to Kevin Phillip, another guy from Saskatchewan, we have all these connections and uh, the great spiritual things that are going on in Saskatchewan, whether these folks are in Saskatchewan now or have roots to the Prairie Province of Saskatchewan. Lots of good stuff going on. Kevin Phillips, another one of those guys. But you know what? He was born in Edmonton, so I am claiming him back for Wild Rose Country, at least for this episode. But let's start with a quote from one of the great saints of the church. Quote, Have patience with all things, but chiefly have patience with yourself. Do not lose courage in considering your own imperfections, but instantly set about remedying them. Every day begin the task anew. End quote from the great St. Francis de Sales. And this is an important and timely topic because Kevin and I talk about living up to your spiritual training, uh, whether you come down to it or you rise up to it. And we got some great lessons in the Old Testament. Now, remember Jesus Christ, he came to fulfill the words of the Old Testament. So we can go back to the Old Testament and really take a lot of guidance and inspiration from the stories in the Old Testament. And in this particular chat with Kevin, we talk a little bit about the story of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, boy, a powerful story of evangelization in a real crazy time. And people that think that the world we're living in right now, well, it is a little bit crazy, as you know. But this has happened before. And every time God blesses his people with prophets, with evangelists, with people that are going to go about to heal and to preach and uh, we're living in a time of miracles. We're going to talk about that. When Kevin joined us a couple of years ago, the first time he came on the podcast, he talked about living in a time of miracles. And I, we talked a little bit about that. And I thought that was really interesting. And uh, we are made and we were created from the beginning of time. God had us in mind, you and me, for a time such as this. And we each have a mission, as St. John Henry Newman said, that is just for us. And we may not know the depth of the vocation that we have until the end of time when Jesus reveals all. But we do have a special vocation, and you have a big part to play in this chapter of salvation. So let's keep encouraging each other, living a life of virtue and not vice, and living a sacramental life. That's what gets me so excited every day, and seeing other people just like you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, getting excited to live every day a life close to Jesus Christ, and sharing the gospel with others. So I couldn't think of a better guy right now than Kevin Phillip, my good friend, to chat about some of the things that he's doing in Regina. He's got a great men's group there that he is a part of, and a lot of good fruit coming from Saskatchewan. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So we'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, I'm very blessed to be joined by my brother in Christ and a fellow podcaster, uh, you're going to get a lot of great fruit and insights from his podcast called Made for Greatness, a podcast for Catholic men. And he's been on our podcast before, and I consider him a friend of mine, and also he is our brother in Christ. Welcome back to the Catholic Connect podcast, Kevin Phillip. Kevin, good to see you, man. Yeah, thanks very much, Dave. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate having you back on, Kevin, and uh, always enjoy chatting with you about the faith uh, on and offline here. And uh, I really can't help but smile and say a prayer for you and your family when I hear the good work that you're doing out in Saskatchewan. So so tell us uh, about the podcast that you have and uh, maybe just tell us how the last couple of years have been for you, kind of getting out of the time of this this craziness and confusion in the world over this uh, the virus. But uh, you also have the men's group as well that, uh, that you've been uh, spearheading and uh, bringing to the good folks in Saskatchewan. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, Dave. And thanks for asking about these things. Um, I'll just go in order. So the first thing you asked about was the podcast. I really struggle with it. And sometimes I find if this if the struggle itself might be part of my ego, but what about but the uh the struggle that I have is that it feels very presumptuous that um, here I am recording myself and who am I to assume that other people are going to hear it. And I was talking to a buddy of mine about this and, I just, and he just asked me the same question. He's like, how's it going for you? And I said, well, I'm really struggling with it. With it. And um, 
he said you know you you never know who it's going to touch and mm-hmm. and since you know the, the stuff never really goes away you never know when it's going to touch somebody and so he said what's the harm in it i mean there's a million podcasts to choose from and you just got to trust that god has a plan and god is you know, surrender it to to the heart of god and then trust that he's going to take care of it from there and and I and so with that in mind, I think it's almost like an act of service to do some things like this, especially if you've got the desire for it. Mm-hmm. And then um, the struggle that I have is still with that ego, and and maybe I'm introspecting too much, but maybe my struggle with the ego is egotistical in itself. Like uh, I, I I don't know I don't know how to how to art, articulate that too much. But you know but, what, uh, Kevin? I think that's an interesting point you make because sometimes when you don't feel like you're worthy, you don't feel like you're qualified. I mean, that's, that's exactly who God calls. Cause I, I struggle yeah, with the exact it. same thing. Sometimes this microphone, it looks like uh, it looks like a grenade to me. Like <laughs> it just, yeah, I know. it's a little I know. scary looking at it. Right. And, yeah, I know. Um, but uh, I, I, I know that I don't have the, maybe the best, uh, the skills or the, the theological knowledge or philosophical knowledge, but um, maybe that's who God calls. And it was placed on my heart a, a long, long time ago. And I, I talked about it to, you know, some of my friends and my family. It was actually them that kept me accountable to it. And they said, you talk about it all the time. So actually my son, I think I've uh, recalled that story on the podcast a few times. He was the one that really called me on it. He said, dad, you talk about this, you talk about a lot of things and you never do it. So why don't you Great. just do it? You know, you talk about God a lot. This is something that, that means something to you. So why not share it? Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you know, praying for humility and, and, and those things. I think that's important too. And, and, uh, but yeah, it's, I know it, it it's like a kind of a tug of war, right? Isn't it, Kevin? I, yeah. I know what you're saying. That, that's kind of the, the, the secret sauce of it though, is that it's not about the, the skills. It's not about the quality, the qualifications. Mm-hmm. Cause I wrestle with that too. You know, like I, I often would say on my recordings, I'd say, well, I'm just a schmuck. So you can't, you want to find a theologian or an expert, you go somewhere else. This isn't the podcast for it. And sometimes I wrestle with my, my least favorite podcast episodes are the ones that I had in my head that I got to be an expert or I got to be polished. Mm-hmm. And my, my favorite ones, my personal favorite ones are ones that I was just less scripted and, and I had bullet points instead of essay notes. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's part of my character. That's part of my, my nature. Whereas my wife is very different. My wife and I, as an aside, uh, she teaches sacramental prep and I just come along for the ride. It feels like, but officially together we do it. And for her, she needs a script and everything, every little detail right down to the, to the periods and the exclamation marks are scripted. And um, so she needs that. So for her, that's where, that's what, that's, that's, uh, if she was going to be a gospel writer, that's what God would have used was this level of detail. Whereas for maybe like you and I, grace builds on nature and our nature maybe doesn't require us to be so planned. But at the same time, there's a balance of it. And maybe I do need to be more planned and more deliberate. And maybe my wife needs to be less planned. So anyway, it's it's a part of growing. It's part of getting stronger. And in all this stuff is an apprenticeship anyway, an apprenticeship in in um in the kingdom of god and becoming a more active and more fruitful player in that kingdom might be a guy thing too great kevin i mean you know think of uh even going on a road trip sometimes you uh rely on your past knowledge of being in that area and you don't always rely on the map sometimes (laughs) that can get you a little bit of trouble but other times you know like i tell my wife whenever we get lost there's a we went to uh San Francisco many years ago. I actually enjoyed myself there quite a bit. I, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw in San Francisco. Maybe we were just going to the right areas of town. But uh, anyway, so we made a wrong, one wrong turn because I, I wasn't paying attention to the map. And we ended up going across the Bay Bridge and we went to Oakland. And it was like 10 o'clock oh. at night. It was a regrettable <laughs> turn, all right? But now anybody that says, have you ever been to San Francisco or Oakland? I said, yeah, I've been to Oakland. Who would you do there? Did you go to a a sporting event of some sort? Like, no, no, just went across the Bay Bridge and (laughs) found the nearest exit and got out as quick as I could. Yeah, because my wife wasn't too happy that I found the map, but uh, I wasn't following the map. Wasn't that a a Cosby Show episode or a Seinfeld episode about, I think it was Cosby Show that had Dad knew a shortcut. Right. 
I think I know. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember if that was a Cosby or a Seinfeld, but I think you're right. It sounds like a Seinfeld episode, but. It, well, it does, yeah. I, yeah, it does. Anyway. Build a whole t- half hour and going the wrong way. But, you know, I think that when you're when you're trying to live a right relationship with God and you open yourself up to uh, the graces of the Holy Spirit, and not saying that I'm there yet, and I know you're, you'd are you probably say the same thing, but we're on that journey, right? And recognizing you're on the journey and that you're in a spiritual battle is really the first step, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the recognition yeah. and getting engaged and looking for those weapons to help you in your spiritual life, right? That's that's really the, the first part, isn't it? Absolutely, as the church militant, right? Mm-hmm. But we, um, I was listening to um, one of my favorite authors, uh, I, I'm not really an avid reader. Please, I, I say that, but don't get the impression that I'm a really good reader. I'm, I'm not. Um, his name is Jack Carr, and he's got a fantastic podcast um, called The Danger Close Podcast. It's really good. Okay. I like it, personally. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was I was um, not listening to one of his episodes. It was an interview that he gave, and he said in the interview, talking about his character in, in his books called The Terminalist, is his main book. And he's in this. Uh, the character in the Terminalist is a high, highly qualified expert, best of the best Navy SEAL kind of guy. And the the person doing the interview asked him, "Why did you choose somebody who's best of the best instead of just somebody who's an everyman kind of guy?" And he said, "Well, I, I see the value in having an everyman character, but it's not really believable because you fall to the level level of your training." Mm. And that line there that you fall to the level of your training really resonated with me, especially in in light of what we're talking about with the church militant. Like I mentioned to you off camera or off recording that my gut reaction to my furnace breaking down last night was throwing a few F-bombs. And um, I think in that moment, I fell to the level of my training. Whereas the spiritual life demands that our level of training is a level of excellence kind of like James Reese in Jack Carr's uh, books, kind of like these top high-level, highly skilled Navy SEALs and these highly skilled people who are the best of the best. That's what you and I are called to be and nothing less than that. Hmm. And so I think that for us, that that apprenticeship in self-mastery, you know, which is defined the definition of chastity, but uh, I don't want to get too far away from my point. I hope you don't mind. But for us to fall to the level of our training, the level of our training has to be not F-bombs. It has to be, Jesus, here's my heart. You know, come Holy Spirit, empty my heart. That, like that that, that self-emptying should be the level of our training. Um, yeah, so that in times of turmoil and, and in times of unrest, like we had with the COVID stuff, that was another thing you asked about the past couple of years. In those moments, because they're going to come again. Like I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us um, aren't naive with thinking that oh, it's one and done. It's going to be finished. Our governments of the world are perfect and flawless. They've learned their lesson. They'll never do this again. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, pal. They haven't learned their lesson. Nope. <laughs> so, nope, but when this stuff happens again, where is it? The level of our training? Are we going to start to continue to be fragmented? Are we going to start to be uh, fearful? Are we going to start to cower? How are we going to react to this? Or are we, or are, are we going to react um, by saying, Jesus, come. Come into my heart. And from my heart, let your water flow. That's really the heart of the matter. And um, I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah. that's uh, So, we got to fall to the level of our training. And yeah. a part of what we do in the spiritual life is is increasing that level of training. Little by little, you know, that Franciscan Friars podcast, the Poco Poco thing, um, that is, that's the heart of the matter is, is where's the level of your training and how can you get it higher? I think that's something for all, especially for men, for us to really focus on being leaders in our family, first and foremost for our wives and our children. And then if we're, we're older gentlemen, I I just want to make sure that you guys know that, uh, a, you're not being excluded, and nor should you feel like you need your. You can check out of this. We need you in the battle too for your grandchildren and and for uh, for your community and for your children too, even adult children. You know that's the sad thing that I, I hear so much, uh, Kevin. I know you're you're uh, with the Knights of Columbus, and you're you're a fan of of what they do, as I as I am as well. 
but that's the story that you hear from a lot of the older members is, and it's heartbreaking stories. You know, they think, well, we sent our kids to Catholic schools. We, we took them to, to mass every Sunday and yet now they're just so far away from the faith. And, and it's a, it's really sad to hear those stories, isn't it? That, uh, that so many people have fallen away in the last couple of years. And, and we're seeing these statistics, um, the, the the time of the virus has done a lot of destruction in our church uh, on many, many levels. Uh, the first foremost is the statistics that we've been kind of going over the last few podcasts, even some new data that's coming out suggesting that in the United States, and I'm sure the number would be very similar in Canada, is that 5 million Catholics have basically not come back to the church after this dispensation during the time of COVID. That's a, that's a lot of souls, Kevin. A lot of souls that have gone. Uh, they probably had varying degrees of of uh, engagement with the Catholic faith before, but at the end of the day, those numbers are, are quite jarring, aren't they? Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, they are. But it's not the dispensation's fault. the The fact mm-hmm. that these guys fell away, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the fact that they fell away, the dispensation would have been. Um, it, it would have been the, um, for many of them, you could probably argue that it was the catalyst for this, but it started a long time before the dispensation. It started a long time before COVID. You, you know, we I've been saying for years, and I've been in circles where they have been saying this for years. And so this, this what I'm going to say is nothing new, but we're really good at um, sacramentalizing, but we suck mm. at evangelizing. Mm. And I, and so we shouldn't be surprised because that that's a conversion when, when of heart, got, right, Kevin. That's already what's what that? it is. It's a change of heart. It's a conversion of heart. It's changing your heart so that you'll align with with Christ versus, uh, you know, just simply yeah. checking some simple boxes of some sort, getting catechized. That, that's right? correct. Right? But yeah. it's not the it's not the fault of the dispensation. Mm-hmm. No, it, I, it's yeah, not. The, right. It's it's mm-hmm. not the fault of the of the mass. Mm-hmm. You, you, get, you get a lot of people talking about the Novus Ordo being the worst thing to ever happen to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so we look at the dwindling numbers, pre-Vatican, and then Vatican II being the worst thing to ever happen to the Catholic Church. You look at the numbers before Vatican II, you look at them afterwards, and sure, there's a there's a disparity. There's no argument about that. Um, but I think it's a, kind of the same thing. Um, uh, the church of the, the the church of the future will be smaller but stronger is mm-hmm. a quote that's attributed to Benedict the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that stronger is a little bit better. I, I think stronger is better. And I think stronger is where we need to go. And sometimes to get stronger, you got to break down the muscle before it actually grows and gets stronger. You know, when you're doing powerlifting, I used to be in powerlifting when I was young. And to do powerlifting, you just you just push and you push and you push to your weakest and then you gain a you gain a notch in strength. Um, that's where we need to go. And it, and it's and I, I and I I don't like the dialogue that blames that points the finger and blames it on on the magisterium and the lack of leadership, um, as if somehow we're surprised by it. You know, who's who sh- who should ever be surprised? by the lack of leadership from, from man. You don't put your trust in princes, you put your trust in God alone. And, and God alone had said, the gates of hell will not prevail in our church. God alone had said that I will guide you. I will guide you into all truth. God alone had said the heart of man is corrupt. So rely on my heart. So I, I think when people fall away by the wayside, I think it's too simple of an answer for us to say it's a dispensation. It's the Novus Ordo. It's the guitar at mass. It's the guy do, playing the percussions at mass. It's those damn bongo drums. It's, it's none of those things. It's, it's the heart. And if our hearts are not willing to convert, if our hearts are not willing to conform, we should not be surprised by our falling away. And if, and if we don't communicate this to our people in the pews, we shouldn't be surprised. Do you mind if I say a little bit about the knights? Is that okay? Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I won't. I'm not selling the knights. That's not my point. Oh no, that's I think okay. that, you know I'm a fourth think, degree, right, Kevin? So oh yeah, I'm yeah, all hey, in. Me too. I'm all in. Yeah, look at that. yeah, there you go. So I think uh, I think the knights are a good example because it's kind of like a, the microcosm of the church a bit. Hmm. 
But sometimes I, I wonder if the, the, the immortal watchword of the nights, Tempest Fuji, Memento Mori, right. time flies, remember death. Mm. I think that we've forgotten death. Mm. And I think that we've forgotten the reason why Father McGivney put that into our, into our language as knights, wanting to make saints. And I think that that's a good example for the whole church as a whole in the West anyway. I'm, I'm not talking about South America or Africa. We're talking about the West. It's a, this is a yep. Western problem. Yep. Um, I think that we've forgotten to convert our hearts. And when we're not communicating this to our people in the pews, we shouldn't be surprised when they walk away as times get tough. Mm-hmm. But our hope is in the name of the Lord who created everything out of nothing and that his word never comes back to him empty. A lot of people that I meet that have fallen away from the church or fallen away from regular mass attendance, they tell me how much they feel something's lacking. Uh, they tell me that they feel something empty. And I tell them, well, get your get your butt back to mass. Mm-hmm. Um, get your butt back to, to the heart of Jesus because he loves you. And um, yeah. Maybe to build on what you just said, you know, you always hear the saying, time flies when you're having fun. Oh, yeah, when right. you're having fun yeah. is replaced memento mori remember your death oh yeah and uh, we still focus on the fun a little too much the comforts of this life uh versus what you know the the things that really matter which is which is really thinking about those four last things and i completely agree with you on the dispensation i do think that that was an opportunity kevin though when you look back in the history of the church and you see the real plagues We've talked about St. Charles Borromeo on this podcast a few times as well. You know, He's a good how example. To, yeah, how to properly deal with a plague, an actual plague too. That was that was a bad one. You know, this is, these are guys and girls and of people of all ages just dropping dead on the street, right? And that was, uh, but that did not change the uh, the missionary zeal and the sacramental zeal of St. Charles Borromeo. That's what really made him great. Was that he did stop the, confession? Look at the people around him. Yeah. How, was he was he an anomaly? Was he the only one in his diocese to do that? I think the answer is he's probably not the only one, but he was the, by far the minority. Yeah, but he took that that lead, right? He just said, "Listen, Absolutely. this is what we're going to do." And there were priests yeah. that took off too. It wasn't like you know, oh yeah, you know, all the Catholics were the were the superstars here. There's, I mean, well, let's face it. The political leaders of the time in Milan were probably Catholics as well. They were probably baptized. They were probably oh, yeah. going to everybody church was, every Sunday. Everybody, yeah, everybody was a Catholic, was a Catholic. Then, right? That's right. But they were being, and even St. Charles Borromeo said, we were being punished for not being true followers of Jesus Christ. And when someone says that you have a dispensation, and again, I'm not saying that that's the, because you're right, Kevin, a lot of these, our, our brothers and sisters in the church, their hearts had changed for the worse prior to this. This was just that event that probably just put them over the edge, right? But there was an opportunity to say, no, like the Eucharist, going to confession, living a sacramental life, we need to worry more about our souls than about the physical body. And then looking back, even I think a lot of the people that have left Kevin say, this was really silly that the church never stood up. And as lay people, maybe we needed to do more too, but I know... Uh, I know I felt quite powerless in the whole thing. It felt like I was just on this crazy ride that I didn't know when it was going to end, right? But that focus on the sacramental life, the Eucharistic life, is something that I think we've lost. We had an opportunity to really be a leader there. And instead, we focused a little too much on, a lot a lot too much on our physical bodies as opposed to our souls. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I agree completely. I think that, um, uh, well, I, I guess I'd maybe I would caveat that a little bit. So I think um, I'll speak for myself here, and I think you would probably be inclined to read the same sources. Um, Saskatchewan, oh, Canada was one of the last countries t- to have the vaccines available for our people en masse. Mm-hmm. And Saskatchewan was one of the last out of Canada. And so we, here where I live, we really had the opportunity to kind of watch things around the world happen. And uh, if we were paying attention, and I'm not suggesting that, that the fact that I was aware of what was happening is that I was paying more attention than anybody else. That's not what I mean. But I think we had a great opportunity to pay attention. And on a global scale, looking out right at first, the, the response was be afraid, be afraid, be very afraid. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. 
And so how does a body, a corporation respond to that? We're all going to die. So I, I think I, I do give our bishops, I do give our magisterium the benefit of the doubt. I really do. You can call me a, a loser for that. I, I, you know, it was funny. I was at a group of people that were meeting clandestinely and they were complaining about the dispensation and they were complaining about many other things. And I just said, you got to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. They're reacting based on the best information that they have at their hands. And um, they're trying their very best. So don't be so vitriolic against them. And I was mocked. Like they laughed at me. There's a, at least 50 people in this group. All I was saying was assume your best and don't be so vitriolic, mm -hmm. um, which they had been. They were very inflammatory against our bishop, like vocally, just cursing the guy vo verbally and in letters upon letters. Upon letters. I feel so bad for our bishops. They're not, it's a church of sinners, so we shouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. But I think we had a great opportunity to watch. And the, but the general messaging was that there's nothing we can do. The vaccines are our hope. Um, there's nothing else. We're all going to die. But for myself and probably you, we're reading alternate sources, not the mainstream stuff, which ended up being 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. But at the outset, for Joe Schmo Public, if I was going to tell him, well, um, actually, this study came out over here about Israel, and their their vaccine rates are, um, you, you would assume that as their vaccine rates increased, their COVID rates decreased. That wasn't happening. It was their COVID rates were raising in conjunction with their vaccine rates. Or the level of death, you know, the 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 death rate was probably went just over two percent. I don't remember what it was, but it was it wasn't it was very low compared to what the media was saying. And I you know, and I I personally knew from the outset that I'm not diabetic, I'm not obese, I don't have comorbidities, and so I'm probably going to be okay. I felt that no government should have a right to take freedoms from yeah. its people, mm -hmm. and so that's why I didn't get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, all that being said. I, I give our, our leaders the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. And is the dispensation a mistake? Yeah, I think it was a mistake. But that's not what led to the dwindling numbers. Mm -hmm. It may have been a catalyst for many of these people, but many of these people were, were going to mass and their hearts were empty. You know, they weren't filled with, with God himself. And I, and I, and I think that um, it provides for us a tremendous opportunity for evangelism. Yes. And and it provides us a tremendous opportunity for the grace of God to work. Mm -hmm. If we're willing to it, if we're just going to sit here and say, oh, it's because of the Novus Ordo. Oh, it's because of dispensation. Oh, it's because the bomb goes at mass. Um, we can sit there and say that and we might be correct. Mm -hmm. But at the heart of the matter is Jesus Christ is Jesus. And if we're, we got to just get back into proclaiming Jesus to these people. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm I think, rambling and more I than think, saying anything concretely. No, no, that's it's it's fine. I I think people look at the Catholic Church from the outside and they see that there's something that there there's an admiration for an organization that's lasted this long. Like, how could you not? You know, your common sense Agreed. says, okay, these guys have been around for a long time. There are no right. other organizations or institutions, even countries for that matter, that have been around this long. You know, there might be the odd country that's still in name that exists today, right. but back when the church started, they they weren't not even a, a shadow of the the way they are today. Whereas right. the Catholic Church has not changed the institution right. and the the hierarchy and how it's all broken down. It's pretty much the same, you know. And and I think people look at that and say that's really intriguing. We may disagree with what these guys do and say. We think that may think that we're all evil and we're whatever, but the end of the day there's some admiration i think for that but what is yeah, really at the heart of the institution is the source and the summit which is jesus christ so yeah how do we bring that back to to this world because there's so many people are looking for hope aren't they kevin like they're looking for really authentic witnesses and because and I, i'm glad you mentioned you know we're talking about novus ordo and you know the mm -hmm. traditional latin mass and and all these things um I mean, there's there's some infighting in the church. There's no question about that. And it's unfortunate because I think it's distracting us from our mission of bringing people in. Because I know we have non-Catholics that listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they, they probably hear some of this infighting. Like, man, that's that's kind of a turnoff. Like, I don't really, mm -hmm. that's not very attractive to me. Why, why, why is there infighting? If you guys are really the true church of Jesus Christ, why are you fighting so much? 
You know, why can't mm-hmm. you just come to me and give me the reasons why there's so much hope in you? Because they see the hope in us, but they, they're confused by the messaging internally. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I I totally agree. Yeah, I I don't have any more any more thoughts to add other than just I I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think getting fighting is a turnoff. Yeah, for sure. And for me too, it is. I am st- I'm so tired of it. Yeah. And um. I, uh, in, I, I don't think our our bishops are infallible. I mean, they're they're just they're sinners like you and I. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised when they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um. But they, as as public figures, and they have advisors and advisory boards. Uh, they don't get all the information that you and I would have. You know, you think about sort of bring this up, but you think about what happened with Father Maciel. And Pope right. John Paul II and Raymond Christie. Yeah. yeah. You know, apparently Pope John Paul II wasn't aware of this, some of the stuff, the dubious stuff that was going on. And apparently um, the advisors to Pope John Paul II weren't telling him the whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably very true for many bishops. You know, you see that in corporations all the time. They're only told what, they only know what they know if they're not really um, yeah. Well, you think of our leadership too, Kevin, and uh, I know this is something I struggle with because there are decisions that I, I guess it, I, I can see sometimes it doesn't necessarily affect me or influence me in, in my everyday spiritual life, but I can see it hurts others. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to see. It really is sad to see because it, mm-hmm. it wounds the body of Christ. But I also think that, you know, us as Catholics, you know, just you and me, guys like you, you and I, Kevin, that are, you know, we, we have recognized that there's this spiritual battle. But mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to to go beyond that and ask ourselves, what are we doing in the spiritual realm to help our bishops and Pope Francis or whoever? Because I, I certainly have seen a lot of things from Pope Francis that have been really puzzling to me. Same with mm-hmm. cardinals and bishops. We've seen a lot in the last couple of years. It just, it is what it is. It doesn't mean you don't love the guy. But you can also point out when there's some some things that are a little bit erroneous going on. But I know for myself, I said, you know, what have I done though? You know, this this um, the spiritual life it it requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It requires penance. And how much have I done? You know, am I consistently praying every day? Am I offering my leaders up to to Jesus? Am I uh, giving up a cup of coffee? Am I maybe mm-hmm. sacrificing meat an extra day of the week? You know, Catholics, mm-hmm. we know what this means, right? We we know that there's got to be, there's got to be some sacrifice, and it's got to be uncomfortable, if not painful, in some ways. But you know, mm-hmm. some people give up a coffee; it's going to hurt, right, Kevin? But yeah. at the very least, it should make us uncomfortable, right? And and I know it doesn't seem like a lot to some people, but it does mean something to to Christ, especially when we sacrifice for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the dedicate, the writings of the apostles, the teachings of them. Um, talked about fasting for those who hate you, hmm. and that uh, that always resonated with me because this is a group of people who are literally being torn apart by animals and like lions, yeah. thrown to the lions, burned alive, you know, tortured to death, and brutalized in unimaginable ways that we that only the unborn baby in the womb knows, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so these guys are those guys saying fast. For those who hate you mm. and I and I and so when you're talking about praying for a leadership I um I think there's great merit in fasting for Pope John Paul II or Pope Francis sorry yeah. <laughs> um I think there's great merit in then in fasting for our bishops I think there's more merit in fasting for them at the same time as you assume the best of them that doesn't mean you're throwing your head in the sand and condoning everything they do and ignoring some of the confusion but some of the stuff is out of our hands. And I wonder if sometimes in the podcast universe, I wonder if we're doing more damage to the body of Christ than good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's many podcasters out there. Um, I'm not, this isn't you. I think there's many podcasters out there that just relish in the negative. Yeah. And and stay on the negative. And um, when men come to our, my men's group, um, they ask me about these other people and, Hey Kevin, have you heard the latest from so and so? And and frankly, Dave, like I I I don't ever listen to so and so. It's just uh, it's all it's all just 
just spewing disappointment and hatred and and over and over again and that doesn't build up the body of christ yeah you can build a franchise on the negative right yeah 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 yeah. you're not going anywhere yeah especially when there's no you're not pointing to hope i think it is important for people to understand that uh, there are certain things that have happened at the vatican and in the church right now that we need to point out and say this is something that needs some fraternal correction and here are the reasons why but here Mm -hmm. also instead of getting too far in the weeds here is the hope that we have. Here are some yeah. steps, some concrete steps that we can take in charity to point out some of the things that are erroneous. But here are some concrete steps we can take to hopefully, you know, um, treat those in some way. And yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, to, to make a franchise, and, and we know who they are. And the sad thing is, Kevin, a lot of these guys, it's mostly guys, because I think we sometimes we sink to our lower nature a little bit quicker when it comes to, to getting fired up about things. Um, you know, 99% of their theology and maybe even hundred percent is bang on, but sure. then they kind of yeah. go down this, this rabbit hole. Right. And it's a distraction yeah. from, from, um, yeah, the, the, the true, the truth of Jesus Christ that we need to, to bring to people. And it's just, it, at the end of the day, it's just a, kind of a waste of time actually. Cause then you look back and you're like, man, yeah. it's days like this or weeks or months. And it's just, that's time you don't get back. You, you fall to the level of your training. There you go. And, and if, um, and it is, and it's easier unless we've kind of purged it out of ourselves. And I don't know if we'll ever really be successful until the day of divine union, um, that we can purge this, this, this want for, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's always slanderous though. There might be a side effect, but is this want to just focus on the negative, this habit of ours, this disposition, I think unless we train it out of ourselves through fasting mm. for those people, for those leaders, I think fasting goes a long way for this stuff. And unless we train ourselves by through fasting and, and um, we'll, we'll just fall back to that. You fall back to the level of your training. Um, you hear people talk about the modern year. So it's year? like we're, we're in the world so much that there's so much stuff that we, that we're absorbing from the outside, the secular world that, that um, it's, yeah, you got to turn off your modern ear. I heard somebody say this and it made a lot of sense because you think of something, you're like, oh, that's not, that wouldn't be acceptable in the eyes of the world. But actually in, this, in the eyes of Christ, that's what you need to do. So you said something that actually you have to turn your modern ear off and you do the opposite of what the world would say. And you're actually fasting or you're offering a sacrifice of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, which is the opposite of what the world would say. It's a turn to comfort when you're and, feeling and a little bit of adversity, right? That's right. And, and it, and our, our um, negativity is comfort. Mm-hmm. It's comforting to be because you, you cause what, it, what there's this there's this cliche for it, a saying for it. I can't remember what it is, but you and I can 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 complain about so and so, and we're and we we feel a bond in our complaint. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a it's just a thing that seems to happen, and it's comforting to have a bond with somebody else. And it is probably the simplest kind of bond out there. It's probably the most superficial, but it's likely the simplest one to form, is one based on complaint. I'll give you a, a political example. Of that is, yeah, is please, our prime yeah. minister is Justin Trudeau. There you go. There we you can, go. you know what? That's something that so many people rail on, and I know it's it's frustrating. I I get it. Yeah. You know, when you see the the level of uh, of incompetency and scandal, it's yeah. difficult, right? But that's where, unfortunately, that seems to be at least here in Canada for our international listeners. Sometimes that's kind of the the thing that brings us together the most is unfortunately our how much we despise a political leader. That's Karen not very healthy are, either, right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's not. My wife and I were just talking about this earlier today about um what is it that brings us together as a nation? What what are we united on? What are what's our what's our culture? I wanted to to ask you about the Old Testament really quick. I think that it's, oh, okay, uh, sure. there's a lot of there's a lot of great nuggets of wisdom there. And I know it's a it's a great challenge for all of us in the church to Follow the, the daily life of the church, which is the, the daily readings. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of non-Catholics, let's go back to that too, and I know a lot, of, a lot of them that listen, they're really surprised in a pleasant way that our readings are the same every day, wherever you are in the world. It really makes mm-hmm. us the universal church. So, uh, you know, you're living in Saskatchewan, I'm in Alberta. It's the same readings for you and I. We can read, we can journey together. The same mm-hmm. as what they're reading in the Vatican, the same as what they're reading in the United States, South America, everywhere. It's, it's, a real, it's really beautiful, isn't it? 
Yeah. The Old Testament yeah, I, is always one of those readings, right, Kevin? And uh, there's a there's a lot in there. So I encourage people not just to read the gospel, but to also make sure you get that first reading because there's a lot of lessons I think we can we can learn there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I really like reading it, and um, and I have to learn to read the gospels too because I sometimes I just read the first reading, which is typically from the Old Testament. Um, I like diving into words and what words mean and why is this word being used and not another one and and I and I get a lot of um, richness out of doing that. And, and we say and, that uh, you know, like the the times are getting they're they're perilous and they they could get worse. They could get better too. We you never know. You we got to trust in God as well. It doesn't look too I good. But I wanted no. to to talk about this story. And I think there's something. There's some lessons I think we can take from it. And that's the story of Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And uh, so so it can be discouraging when we look at the way the world is today, but there is hope and, and uh, throughout history and, and even in the Bible and you go back to the Old Testament, there's some great recordings of of uh, the Israelite people, the chosen people of God. Uh, of course, us Catholics now, we're blessed. We are the, we are the, the, the new Israel. We're the ones that God has made a covenant with as well, but we can't forget that God has made a covenant with, with the nation of Israel as well. And that's never going to end either. When God makes a covenant, that's from now until the end, right? So so I was thinking about Elijah and Elisha. So that was, Elisha was Elijah's, uh, you know, protege, I guess, for maybe a lack of a better word. But, um, you know, our listeners, uh, you can read about the plight of Israel and where they were at, uh, specifically in the first and second book of Kings. But there's pretty wild times, very similar to what we're seeing right now in the world and in our church. So, so Elijah has uh, this personal encounter with God at Mount Horeb, uh, and that's an important place in the in the Bible in the Old Testament. That's where where God was was dwelling in a special way. I guess would be the best way to put it. Of course, he's he's everywhere, but that's where a lot of key events happened. A lot of key encounters happened with God. So this is where he tells God, and I thought this was interesting. Kev, he says, "Quote: The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant." thrown down your altars and have slain your prophets with the sword. So, so times were pretty bleak then, right? So this is the time when they have a wicked king, uh, King Ahab, and then the infamous foreign queen that maybe a lot of people, even non-Catholics have heard, Jezebel. So this is where, where Jezebel comes in. So she instituted a demonic worship of Baal, uh, who we renounce in the name of Jesus Christ as well, because that's the name of a demon. Uh, so purge the Israelite priests, so all the, the servants of God, the true servants of God, all purged. So Elijah really feeling virtually that he was, well, basically he's by himself, um, helped mm-hmm. lift Israel out of Baalism and put them back on the track of worshiping the one true God. But God gave him a successor in Elisha. In my observation with Elisha, when Elijah selected him, so basically he kind of in a, in a symbolic way threw his cloak on Elisha and said, you know, you're the, you're the next prophet. Um, from what I could see, he was just a happy farmer. It says he has 12 yoke of oxen. So I'm thinking he was probably quite wealthy, um, probably very comfortable in what he was doing. I don't think a lot of people had 12 yoke of oxen. That's a lot of oxen. But uh, what struck me was that when Elijah called him uh, to be his follower and the protege, he killed his oxen and got rid of the yoke. So basically what he was doing before as a farmer, he, uh, he destroyed it so he could be detached and he could truly go and follow the will of God. What are some of the things that we can learn from this, Kevin? I think there's a lot of lessons there. You know, there's, uh, there's. I don't know if you agree with that, but it seems like he was comfortable with what he was doing. And like I said, probably happy doing what he was doing, tilling his field. But, uh, you know, he has all the comforts of this, uh, this earthly life, but seeing a great prophet in Elijah, picking him and then him making that decision to, basically purge everything from his past, even though it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but he was going for something greater. What are some lessons that we can, we can pull out of this? I think um, for me, when I think about Elijah and Elisha, I think about the apprenticeship of Elijah and, and I think about um, what led him to the point where he was, where God moved him, moved through him so powerfully. And, uh, and I think it comes like I like I said earlier, and I'm part pardon me for stumbling on this thing, but I think it comes back to the heart. And 
where where is your heart and surrendering ourselves completely to the will of god that that's that's really the the core here i think fasting is a big part of it you know preparing ourselves and doing the little things that we can to surrender ourselves more and more to jesus and more and more into his sacred heart i think i don't i don't i don't think it's any more complex than that i mean that's not an easy thing to do but it's not that it's not that complicated to consider the process the process itself isn't complicated it's the journey on the it's that journey of doing it that's the hard part not complicated but it's hard you know you know just i was just trying to find in the scripture where this where elijah meets elisha and it's right after mount horeb um uh, yeah, I, I think this is such a beautiful part of scripture. I like these guys a lot. And sometimes I want to take an Elijah pill. I had a little episode on my podcast about the Elijah pill. And sometimes I just want it to be easy and just take this pill and, hey, look at me. I'm a prophet like Elijah. God's going to use me in power. Um, but grace builds on nature and we fall to our to the level of our training. And I think that it we need to increase that level of training through discipline through, like you said, getting rid of what distracts you from the heart of the matter of God himself. Uh, get what getting rid of what distracts you from your apostolate, which is your family. If you're married and getting rid of things that distract you from even just your job, you know, doing the best you can with your situation. I think that's a big part of it. Um, you don't you don't become a successful farmer overnight. So Elisha, however you say that name, Elisha, as you said, it was probably a successful farmer. That didn't happen overnight. He he it took training, it took diligence, it took mistakes, it took learning from the mistakes. It it took not allowing the mistakes to define him and define his progress. It took trusting the process. You know, it, it took all these little things that for Elisha probably had a, a lifetime of experience before Elijah came into the picture and threw his mantle on him. Um, so I think, I think it starts in the nitty gritty of life. It starts, that's where it starts. And I, and I do think, I'm not sure if you were alluding to this, but I do think that these guys are the model for a Christian living in the same way that the early church could be a model for a Christian living. I think that these guys are, are good witnesses for us and how to live our lives, but there's no pill. You know, it took a lot of hard work for Elijah. It took a lot of discouragement and a lot of perseverance. Look at Mount Horeb. I mean, what took him to Mount Horeb other than discouragement and being afraid of, of being murdered? Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that's what we, that we need to do. Um, I think we can fall to the level of our training, but we can also rise up to the level of our training too, right? And I was thinking of the words, uh, well, actually, no, you know what? I I was thinking of the episode that you came, the first visit that we had, Kevin, and you said that, yeah. you, and I thought this was really interesting. You said that this is, uh, you felt like we were entering a time of miracles. And oh, I, yeah. Uh, that really, uh, yeah, that resonated with me a lot. And hearing it again was uh was good. And, you know, I was thinking of our Lord's words in the Gospels when he told the apostles that as great of all the miracles that he'd performed, you know, he'd, he'd seen everything, right? He'd seen, um, you know, the the multiplication of the the loaves, uh, the fish, the the healing of the the paralytic, uh, uh, you know, the the casting of demons, uh, raising people from the dead, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible stuff. But he said to his apostles that they would do greater works in his name. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really beautiful. And then back to the story of Elisha, uh, when Elijah was taken up, which is another wild story both in the Bible, but, uh, you know, outside yeah. of Mary, we believe in the assumption of Mary and that she was uh, raised uh, body and soul into heaven. Uh, Elijah, from what we can see, looks like he never really died. He was actually taken up. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting story in itself. But before Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire, no less, uh, he asked, Elisha asked Elijah if he could inherit a double share of his spirit. Mm-hmm. There's one, Elijah said, well, there's one thing that you would like before I go, what, what would you ask? And that's what Elisha asked. You know, it was almost like, it's kind of like Solomon asking God for more wisdom. 
as opposed to all the riches of the world, right? But right. I thought that yeah. was great. Then if you look after Elijah uh, was raised up in, in the chariot of fire and Elisha took on his his role as kind of the main prophet of Israel, Elisha performed many, many uh, works of miracles, probably as as great of miracles, if not more than Elijah. But, you know, Elijah did give that spirit to him and more. And I thought that was that was really quite beautiful, I think. So, um, yeah, let's have yeah. hope in that, isn't it? We can have hope in that. Uh, you know, we are the church of miracles, aren't we? You know, we look back. We forget about that, though. History. We forget about that. Yeah, and I and I think that the, the 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 challenges of our time distract us from that. But at the same time, we also got to trust that God's in control somehow, and He's allowing certain things to happen. And and I think that He's allowing certain things to happen so that we can get stronger. Yes. You know. Uh, I think two miracles, it, Kevin. I think that it's important that you know you know, we look at miracles as something incredibly grand that everybody can see, you know, okay, there's people raised from the dead. There's, you know, the blind can see, and those are all amazing. Right. But you know, how about, how about that vice in someone's life that they just can't seem to shake? You know, isn't that a miracle in itself when God gives you the grace to overcome it? You know, that's a miracle too, right? And then you can bring you closer to Christ. And it may seem like something small to someone from the outside looking in, but to that individual, that that might be the difference between eternal life and and non-eternal life. So it is a miracle for them, right? Yeah, it's uh, it probably yeah, it's a, it's it's a good thing to have. But um, that's not what I refer to, I guess, when I think of the of an age of miracles. And I don't think that that's necessarily what um, what's meant when we say the word miracle. I, I think that's that's um, that's a good thing, and it's a good probably better than. Um, a miracle per se is someone's conversion, but for the for the church and using Elijah as a model, Elijah wore a garment of hair cloth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a belt of leather, and didn't really have a heck of a lot else. And and hair cloth isn't meant to be comfortable; it's meant to be a sort of a, a penance, meant to be a sort of a sacrifice. And so the. The uh, the works of Elijah, like I said earlier, it, it, there's no magic pill for this thing. He wore a hair cloth, and he's almost known by his hair cloth. You know, it, when in chapter one in the second book of Kings, when they when the king is wondering who this prophet was that you're talking about, the guy says, "Well, he had a hair cloth <laughs> on and a, and a leather belt." And the guy and the king responds, "Oh, well, that's Elijah the Tishbite. You know, mm. I know exactly who that is." They could have said anything. They say he's the guy with that cool hairstyle. You know, with those shoes and the, and he's got that great camel that looks awesome. Um, no, it's not how they knew him. They knew him by his, by his, by his, um, by his hair cloth. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, for us, I think we got to, if you can point to a pill, I think that's it is just this being willing to, to surrender, being willing to sacrifice, being willing to, to put yourself out there in the kingdom of God so that you become less like John the Baptist, you know, that he should increase and I should decrease. Um, You know, and so in one hand, I I think of works of miracles and raising the dead and stuff like that, that that stuff happens. It's happening currently in the other places of the world. Um, And I think, and I wonder why is that happening here? Why don't we see this stuff here? Come on, God, renew your works. We've heard of your renown. Renew your works in our day and our in our time, um, but it's in His time and not ours. And and as we wait, we wait on the Lord and we grow stronger. And um, but we're not going to grow stronger if we're not willing to wear the hair cloth, you know. And so, if there's anything that could be called an Elijah pill, and being back to your your call of of fasting, of 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 surrendering our hearts. It's not fasting for the sake of fasting itself. It's, it's has to end in a surrender of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Elijah fasted for the sake of fasting. He, he was surrendering his heart and his mind and his will to, to God. For sure. Yeah. And like anything, it, it opens when we, when we sacrifice and when we, when we fast or abstain, it opens us up for grace but also if we do it on behalf of for, for other people, 
we actually uh, help open them up to receive the grace of God oh, as yeah. well, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. But our, our intention, because you, you could fast, you could do all the right things mm-hmm. and say all the right things at the right time in the right way. But your heart can also at the same time never really be conformed to the heart of God. So these things are external forms of penance and external forms of piety, but it has to flow from the heart. And if we just if we just keep it on the surface, if we just keep it as fasting for the sake of it and not being really willing to surrender our hearts and our minds and our wills and our desires and everything and our joys and our sorrows and, and allow these things to be plunged into the sacred heart of Jesus, what merit is there in doing these things? I, I, like, I, I don't say merit as if it's fasting is a waste unless my heart is into it. That's not true. I, I don't think that's how things work. I think there's still merit there somehow. Um, but as the man who wants to increase the level of my, my training, my fasting demands that I surrender my heart. Kevin, this is, the time's flying, man. I can't believe it's been an hour already. I really appreciate you giving me oh, the yeah, time. No, no problem. I wanted to make sure that I asked you about, uh, uh, before we go, about your the, the men's group in Saskatchewan that you're a part of and how that's going and uh, how people can reach out to you as well to listen to your podcast. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they want to listen to the podcast. Oh, they will. I'm going to put it in there anyways. Yeah, okay. I'm going to put it in the show notes. There's, there's help you to sleep. Methods to sleep. Counting sheep, listening to Kevin's podcast. Um, the men's group ministry, ministry is going really well. It seems it's uh, we have our annual, our seventh annual conference coming up this fall. And we're having a gentleman from Michigan. Um, his name is Paco Gavaliris. And I always say his oh, okay. name, last name incorrectly. Um, but he's really good. I'm really excited about this. We talked about in sort of the preliminary dialogue of the conference coming up. We talked about um, the fatherhood of God and the sonship of of men, of our sonship in, in light of the fatherhood of God and how um, we need to restore that relationship, the right relationship between us and, and our father. Mm. So it'll, the theme of the conference hasn't been really hashed out yet, but it will revolve around that, the idea of the beloved, that that God is pleased with us. Um, so, so yeah. Other than that, we meet monthly regularly on the second Friday of every month and we have a different teaching or testimony each time. And then we have a time for a holy hour and confession. And I, I think one of the cool things that I love, and, and I use this as a bit of a benchmark for, for good fruit is how many men go to confession. And um, I really like seeing these men go to confession. I think it's really encouraging. And, uh, and the message of what we do, it's called made for greatness. The podcast is called made for greatness, but, it's kind of a, a when when we hear that we think oh yeah I got to be a strong man a, a big man a top of the line salesman I got to be the best the best you know and all this stuff but the call of being made for greatness is being purged and the greatness that we're called to is the greatness of God Himself but our hearts are still full of vinegar still full of ourselves and with that's that stuff that vinegar has to get purged and so that's really the the crux of it is this purgation. That's like our Lord says, Kevin, right? For uh, those who, who want to be great among you, you must first be the servant of them all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. Kevin, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's round you up again and uh, let's have a chat about our faith and, and uh, yeah, share our experiences and insights. I think it's, uh, it's important to have this kind of dialogue. We'll be oh yeah, touch, absolutely, Dave. I really like talking to you. I think you're a great guy. You got a good heart and you've, um, you're a man of integrity. The $20 is in the mail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> 21, pal. Don't short JGV. Well, big thanks again to Kevin Phillip for joining us on this episode of the podcast. And as you could tell, in addition to being a man of scripture and of faith and of family, he also has a grasp on inflation as well. I think the $20 bill joke might be more like a $50 bill joke before anyone takes uh, that amount of money seriously. But uh, again, if you're from the Regina area or anywhere in Saskatchewan and you'd like to get more information about the men's group that Kevin is a part of, I'd be happy to direct you there. So just send me a note or reach out to Kevin directly. Well, and a big thank you as well to you, the listener, for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast. We're on Twitter and on Facebook. Fire me a line anytime. Love hearing from you. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to your fine podcast. And if you could drop us a review, that would be great as well and help us get our message out, our message of love and of charity and of hope to the rest of the world. And remember, Catholics, hey, we know what we've got to do in order to be that beacon of light to others that we can really truly share the gospel with other people and making sure our prayers are efficacious and our sacrifices mean something. We've got to be living life in a state of grace. And that means going to confession often, at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. I'll chat with you very soon.